everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all, as we are now three weeks away from WrestleMania, the most busiest time of year since at least 2019. And I am your host, along for the ride, Keela Cash, and I am here, per the usual, with my co-captain, my right-hand man, and the advocate of the Von Wagner fan club, the founding member, as he's gone ghost after one week back on NXT. I bring to you, per the usual, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. Yeah, I told, uh, thank you for having me, Keila, first off. Uh, you know, it's always fun to chop it up and talk the world of WWE with you. Um, I told Vaughn to take the week off because I realized that, you know, there's certain things that you can't top and there's certain moments that WWE likes to create that you just can't compete with. And the debut of Dutch is definitely going to go down as one of those moments. And I just didn't want Vaughn to get overshadowed this week. So I told him to sit it out and let Dutch have his moment. Did we introduce someone else to this show now <laughs> to go alongside someone else who also went through a name change? Dear God. A lot of name changes going on. And, um, you know, it don't make a lot of sense when there's other ones right there. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. All of the Dutch of it all. But fortunately, we are not alone this week as we have a special guest along for the ride, too. And he has walked through the forbidden door because up until this point, it's been a fight game media family, people rotating in that chair every single week. But that door has been knocked upon and has been knocked down by extra special guest Joey Carney from the Angle Podcast, a fantastic podcast out there for all of you wrestling fans that want to indulge in all things pro wrestling every single day of the week at your leisure so joey at long last welcome to the wrap hey guys thanks for having me and by the way that was probably the best introduction i've ever received so uh thank you and that was great (laughs) i really appreciate that i try my best to make every guest on this show for extra special and you definitely fit that category and we've been communicating with each other for the last few years now and i have to say joey is one of the better twitter follows out there for wrestling twitter (laughs) it's a toxic free environment you would get some good information and he's one of the good guys out there that provides the best available in information and interview when it comes to all things wwe and beyond I appreciate that. That is one thing that I definitely try from the top of my list to keep a positive uh, experience, I would say, during uh, these crazy wrestling times. Indeed. So I, as always, I tend to ask this very important question to all first time guests here on The Wrap. So we're all wrestling fans. We love it. We indulge in it every single day, just about. So, Joey, when did you become a fan of professional wrestling? What was that match or that star that brought you into the fold? I uh, I actually was introduced to wrestling when I was about three years old uh, from my grandfather. He would watch uh, old WCW, at the time WWF, uh, WWF, and then go into WCW. But the match, or the era, should I say, that really got me uh, connected was around the 2002 uh, time, right, be- right before the Ruthless Aggression era started. It was Stone Cold, it was The Rock, it was Triple H, it was The Undertaker. That era of wrestling was uh, really what hooked me. That was a great time to be a fan. It was pretty much the yeah. end of the Attitude <laughs> Era. It was the Ruthless Aggression Era. John Cena and his trunks at the time made their yeah. first impression almost 20 years ago this year. So time really flies. And I think that was a pretty good era for WWE as well. And I do want to touch on something from last Saturday. You were actually 
on the scene at Madison Square Garden because we talked about it on the show in real time and we weren't happy about the big surprises. But how did you take it as a guy that was there watching the show in the flesh? You know, I was, I think like everybody else, expecting surprises because they were promote. Let me backtrack. WWE didn't promote uh, that it was going to be a huge show. Uh, Paul Heyman made a few comments and that was obviously to sell tickets. Um, but they didn't promote anything major happening. They just said they would be a WWE title match. Bobby Lashley obviously injured, so he wasn't going to be there. Um, so this was really on the fans. I only realized it when I was there, (laughs) which is kind of too late. Uh, but the fans and myself included were all kind of, uh, Kind of like what the heck just happened? Seeing Austin Theory be the one to to challenge Brock, it makes sense if you look at storylines, uh, just because they're building him. But it was definitely not what I expected at all. We feel the exact same way, so I can imagine your disappointment <laughs> paying a ticket and seeing Austin Theory noted world championship caliber challenger going against Brock Lesnar in the main event of MSG. So I just wanted to get your perspective on it as a person that was there live. And before we dive into some really depressing news, I want to reserve this time for Scott to review a brand new video game that dropped a few days ago, 2K22 from WWE. And it's been three years in the making due to the horror that was 2K20 a couple of years ago. So 2K19 has been carrying the load for video game lovers for the last three or so years. AJ Styles did a fine job as he tried to overcompensate for 2K20. So Scott, Upon your usage and your play of 2K22, what are your thoughts on this game with Rey Mysterio gracing the cover? Man, I, I got to be honest with you. Overall, I think it's a good game. Uh, you know, obviously anything was going to be better than what the, the atrocity that we got for the last game. But I, this is a solid game. The The mechanics are a little bit different, so you, you will have to get used to it. And at first I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if I like this. But once you get those mechanics down, um, it, it really works. This feels more like a combat game a little bit. It feels more like a like UFC 4 to me than like a wrestling game. You have different combos for different characters um now obviously the big elephant in the room is that you know out of the 75 people on the roster 50 of them are you know with aew or somewhere (laughs) else so you there's there's that thing that's going against them but um you know the graphics look pretty good me personally i haven't had a lot of glitches you know i've seen some people say it's been glitching out but i haven't had a lot of glitches um, the showcase mode with Rey Mysterio, I think, is fantastic. I think that mode um, is absolutely wonderful. Him going through the matches as you play through them and it's iconic moments. I, I really enjoy that mode. I haven't even finished the, the My Rise mode with the, my creative character because I'm still indulging in the My GM and My Universe mode. Um, now, the My GM mode is a little disappointing because, you know, I expected the big return of My GM like they had in SmackDown versus Raw. But this is a good first step. Like, it does keep you hooked and it, it's, it's enough to keep you intrigued. I, I, I really like the game, man. You know, I'm not going to tell you to go spend 60 bucks on anything because, you know, I I really wouldn't do that because I definitely got a discount on the game. But um, I will say if you you find a deal, man, I would scoop this game up. Or if you've really been missing a wrestling game, this is a solid game. Like, I I think this is a very good building block for next year. I think they can improve on a lot and my GM can expand a lot. I play my universe 
all the time and have a blast doing it. So, yeah, this is a, a huge thumbs up for me. All right. What's your final rating on a scale of one to 10 regarding 2K22? Ooh, I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a seven. All right. Scott approved with a seven. And listen, I hope the very best for this game, but I do laugh to the point of tears at all of the glitches, especially when Alexa Bliss got dumped on and started dancing randomly during a battle royal. That shit was hilarious. I'm sorry. I laugh at that. I live for moments like that on that video, on that video game in particular. Oh, there's, 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 you're going to definitely going to come across some moments like that, but those are the great ones. Those are the, you got to capture those. Those are the moments that WWE is talking about when they say we create moments, even in your living room with a video game, they create moments. You got to capture those. Yes. Even Triple H versus a table. That is another moment. (laughs) That's an all timer. I love for, I love the glitches. I live for the glitches. I thrive for the glitches, but success to the game. Nonetheless, as we make that difficult transition to some difficult news that happened on SmackDown a couple of days ago on Fox. And this is probably more of one of the more horrifying injuries I have seen play out in real time. Big E took a, overhead belly to belly suplex from Rich Holland to the floor and upon landing he landed directly on his head and neck area and I freaked out the announcers I was amazed at their composure throughout all of this and Biggie was stretched out of the arena he gave the thumbs out he gave the thumbs up and this happened during a tag team match involving Biggie Kofi Kingston versus Sheamus and Rich Holland and upon further evaluation Biggie did indeed suffer a broken neck on Friday night, thankfully, surgery is not required and he feels everything, fingers, legs, extremities are not damaged, no damage to the spinal cord as well. So very good news in that regard. But it's just heartbreaking to see this happen the way it did. But I admire his strength, his positivity through it all. And I hope that he makes a very speedy recovery that not only it takes into account his career, but most importantly, his quality of life moving forward. But the larger story is the Ridge Holland taking all of this and that he was the guy that initiated the man- that initiated the maneuver and it was not pretty at all and this is, is really going to the training process in WWE the call up process for WWE trainees that get the call up to Raw and SmackDown in terms of preparedness and when he was drafted to SmackDown back in October I thought to myself he was probably called up a little bit too soon because I thought he was green in areas and he was reckless in the ring before against Johnny Gagano back in 20. 20- 20. So it's just been a series of incidences involving him. And I'm not blaming him necessarily, but you do have to take tremendous care of your opponents in the ring. And I think it's just a matter of training and agenting that is really making me scared as of late, seeing people land on their heads necessarily. And I don't know if this should lead back to a call down to NXT for more refinement and training, but this is just a matter of WWE maybe calling up people a wee bit too soon. Just because you look the part does not mean that you are the part. And I thought about Pete Dunn at ringside. He could have been in this match on Friday alongside Sheamus because he's the more experienced guy versus a Rich Holland who might fit the bill physically, but not so much in the ring as of yet. So here's hoping this is a lesson learned by WWE moving forward in terms of how you call up stars to the main roster along with the proper training to boot. So Scott, what are your thoughts on Biggie's neck injury and the Rich Hall intake of it all? Oh boy. <clears throat> um, first off, man, just, you know, hats, prayers up and, you know, for, for Biggie, 
is there are very few people in wrestling i i think that can just genuinely unite fan bases and wrestlers and just different walks of life like biggie has like we talk about the 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 talk or the toxic culture of, of the wrestling fans on Twitter and, um, you know, uh, how it's WWE versus AEW or WWE versus everyone else or, you know, your company versus their company. When Big E got hurt, man, like none of that mattered. He was just getting outpours of love and it was it was just really cool to see. And, you know, it kind of put in perspective, like, you know, stuff is bigger than, you know, them versus us. At the end of the day, like you could tell that wrestlers have this this bond that it just will never be broken regardless of what company and what type of competition they have going on and that's that's a true family right there so i I just i love seeing that aspect you know that little bit of light throughout all of this just dark time for him um so I, i you know i'm hoping for the best and you know, let's let's keep it 100. Big E is a guy who has shown crossover appeal, crossover potential. He he's got a cartoon. Um, you know, he's shown that he could do announcing for any any type of sporting program, anything like that. So let's let's not you know, it's not a guarantee Big E comes back because he doesn't have to. He's got that type of appeal and attraction. So you know, I you know, hopefully we see him back. But I, I just want him to be healthy and and all that. So you know. Prayers up to Biggie. The Rich Holland thing is, is a it's an interesting thing because I'm kind of I, I don't know I, I I'm split a little bit because you know my my mindset is why does he need to be throwing an overhead belly to belly on a guy of Biggie's size on the outside of the ring? You know you can you can show that same type of strength by letting him lay Biggie out with a, a monster lariat. You know you you get the same effect. You get that same you know monster feel to him. It's there is something to guys being called up and being put in situations where they're not ready for. I don't have a problem with him being called up. It's more so what they've been doing with him, which is almost like I think of a guy like Omos. They did a really good job at the beginning with him when they knew he was limited of limiting what he did. He didn't do a lot, but when he did do something, it mattered. That's what should have been happening with Ridge Holland. Ridge Holland's been going in here just having full-blown matches. And let's not forget, Ricochet busted his nose up. So he's been on both ends of it, getting hurt and, you know, injuring people. So, you know, I do feel for him in that regard. Like, this guy just can't catch a break. You know, he got injured at the beginning of his NXT run. He came back. So I do feel for him in that regard. But I think there's a way to bring these guys up like this without putting them in these 20 minute matches when they're doing all this stuff and this complicated stuff when you just have him do basic things that put over his power and that's what they did with Omos and that's why I was so high on it then they overexposed him but that's a whole other story but that's how you protect somebody and you protect their opponents by limiting what they do and making it important so that way they don't have to do a lot until they're ready so that's kind of where I'm at with the Ridge Holland aspect of it all but it's just a it's a terrible situation on all aspects of it yeah, it's really unfortunate. And he did visit Biggie in the hospital last night when he checked on him regarding the neck injury. So Rich Holland is first class in that regard. And it's a touchy issue because this does come down to experience and training and whoever is aging and producing these matches. You you are supposed to accentuate the strengths, not the weaknesses. And unfortunately, we be seeing a lot of weaknesses and greenness on these shows as of late, which is not a good thing. And I'm just wondering what the hell is going 
going down in Florida as of late regarding the training regimen. What is happening with the coaches and trainers at NXT? What's up? Because I expect a bit better than this in terms of getting people ready for the main roster, in terms of refinement, and I'm not seeing it as of late. And you put people in positions to fail, and that's something that I'm not cool with whatsoever. So, Joey, what are your thoughts on Biggie's neck injury and the Rich Holland fallout from it? Man, this was one of the scariest spots I've seen in a long time. Well, actually, not really, because it was a similar spot a few weeks ago at uh, the Elimination Chamber with Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss. Madcap Moss took a similar bump and landed on his neck. Didn't get uh, the same injury as Big E, but uh, definitely a very, very uh, near, uh, whatever you want to call it, near injury uh, there. Big E is someone, it's not every day or not all the time that you see a talent like Big E who is the overall package. I mean, this guy has size, he's got speed, he's got technique, he's got a look, he's got charisma, um, and everything that he stands for outside of wrestling because he does speak up when he needs to. Um, I think he's a well-rounded guy uh, that, like you both said, is a crossover talent. Um, He could do anything he wanted to outside of wrestling uh, because it's the way he he presents himself. just the way he he presented a video of himself last night after he waited until after SmackDown to post a video, um, kind of keeping positive in a, in a very scary situation, um, and thinking of the fans and everybody first before himself, um, which is very Biggie like. But it just shows his character and it shows the type of person he is. Um, it's very sad to see anybody get injured, but definitely around WrestleMania time is is just a, a real tragedy, especially a guy like Big E, who's just coming off a huge WWE title, uh, being in the WWE title picture. Um, not sure what his plans were for WrestleMania. That was kind of uh, up in the air at the moment, but he's just one of those guys that you're always going to cheer for. You're always behind because you like him in the ring, but you also like him in in real life. Uh, his his shoot, you know, personality. Um, it's definitely just a sad thing to see. And in regards to Ridge Holland, uh, if you look back to Ridge Holland's time in NXT, majority of that time he was injured, um, which just goes to show that he didn't really have a lot of time, you know, working in NXT. Uh, you know, being in the ring in NXT, maybe training he was, you know, doing all the things he needed to do to prepare himself for NXT and the main roster, but not enough time on TV. And he may look the part and, you know, whatever the case may be, it's not necessarily a, a reason to call somebody up unless they're going to be a manager or unless they're going to, you know, be the the, he- the the heavy for someone like, like almost like you said, Scott. Um, so it just goes to show that something is broken in the system in WWE, um, especially in, in the PC and the performance center in Orlando, they just released a whole bunch of, uh, trainers and a whole bunch of talent. Um, and these trainers, trainers like William Regal, trainers like road dog and, and Scott Armstrong, uh, someone like Scotty too who's been there, who, who requested his release. I mean, these people asking to be released and then a bunch of releases happening. Something is going on there. Uh, I wish 
you know, it was more apparent as to what, um, but you're seeing more of these call-ups happening and then characters being completely scrapped and, and, and re recreated on the main roster, which is just contradicts the point of NXT as a whole. Um, but then again, the injuries and, and all the other stuff that's happening. So it just shows that uh, one biggie is a badass and two, it just shows that something in WWE is broken. Definitely. And I totally agree with you there. Something at the PC isn't clicking for me right now. There's aspects of 2.0 that I really enjoy, but something behind the scenes right now in terms of the training and the reps is not clicking right now for some reason. And I need some kind of investigation, some inside scoop <laughs> as to what's happening right now. Cause this, th- this wasn't apparent maybe a year or two ago, you see the call-ups that made a bit more sense and they were a bit more seasoned. And on top of that, you could really sense some structure and you can sense that people were ready for Prime time, like a Rick Boogs, for example, and a Matt Cat Moss, who had experience on NXT for a number of years. So something is going on there, something with the system not being quite right, not being where it's supposed to be. And it's definitely cosmetics first. And that's unfortunate, which we'll get to as we dive into SmackDown later in the show. But let's move on to happier news as we move as we wish Biggie the very best in his recovery. And my hope is that he gets a tremendous comeback when he's able to do so and get a potential second run at the WWE and or Universal Championship. Get the run that he deserved from the jump. And sometimes you got to have a setback to make a fantastic comeback. And he was hoping he does so very soon in WWE as we make that transition to Monday Night Raw, which went down this past Monday from Cleveland, Ohio. And we kicked off the show with an absolutely stellar triple threat match for the Raw Tag Team titles involving Alpha Academy, then Tag Team Champs versus Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins versus RK Bro. And I thought this match was absolutely outstanding. It went for 20 plus minutes in TV time, probably 40 plus with commercials. Just a really fun match. The near falls were everything. Randy Orton's hot tag was fantastic. The near falls had me going. And that moonsault from Chad Gable that Orton caught into an RKO was a chef's kiss. Probably top three RKO in WWE history. And then we get the tandem trio combo of Owens and Rollins hitting the Boca Bomb, Stunner, Curb Stomp to Gable, and the Wiley veteran Riddle makes the cover, shoves Rollins out of the way to become the new Raw Tag Team Champions. And Randy Orton cuts probably his greatest babyface promo ever, saying, I've been doing this 20-plus years. This is the most fun I've ever had. And he used the F word. He says that Riddle is his friend. And I was happy and sad at the same time because I know eventually the other shoe is going to drop Betrayal is upon us, but for this moment, from WWE building up these tag team matches via academic challenges involving Alpha Academy and RK Bro, to Rollins and Owens clicking as a tag team, every step of this storyline, a subsequent match, has made sense. And that's how you properly spotlight the Raw tag team titles and division. That's how you give teams credibility, and that's how you make people care about the titles and the people that hold them. So, Joey, what are your thoughts on this fan? Fantastic opener to Monday Night Raw, which saw RK Bro become two-time Raw Tag Team Champions. You know, WWE is not necessarily known for uh, focusing on their tag team wrestling. Um, but in this case, this was probably one of the best tag team matches I've probably ever seen on Monday Night Raw. Um, not necessarily the talent that's involved, because all, all the guys involved 
are, are top level talent. Um, but just the way that they, they mesh so well. I mean, you have a team like RK Bro, who's probably the most over tag team in WWE right now. Uh, you have Alpha Academy, who, you know, just a few months ago, were just sitting in the back doing nothing. I mean, Chad Gable has come such a long way from uh, someone who wasn't great on the mic to now being this like the, the most the, the funniest guy on, on Monday Night Raw with his sheesh and thank you and all his catchphrases. <laughs> all the stuff that he's doing now is so great. Um, despite them adding it to the uh, the entrance theme, but that's a whole other uh, a whole other conversation. Um, and then you have guys like Seth uh, Seth Rollins and, and Kevin Owens who are are main eventers in their own right, but put together as a tag team for the moment. Um, all these guys coming together, creating magic in the ring. Like you said, that RKO, the the moon salt into the RKO, a moment that will last for for so many years to come. One of uh, Randy's best. Uh, RKO's um, that promo at the end of the match. I don't even think that was a promo. That was a shoot from Randy. That was Randy being Randy a hundred percent. I think that was the realest that we've ever seen Randy Orton in, in W in his whole WWE career, and that's over twenty plus years already. That was such a cool moment. Uh, the whole thing of using the F word and it brought me back to a SpongeBob reference, and uh, it was just it was a great thing to see and. Uh, you know, I've been kind of waiting for the turn to, to break up RK Bro. I thought it was going to happen for, you know, to have them one-on-one at WrestleMania. But I think they're still so over right now that you might as well ride the wave until it crashes. And uh, my only concern with the match was RK Bro winning on Monday Night Raw. I would have loved to see Alpha Academy get the win, make them look strong, and then have maybe RK Bro win the titles at WrestleMania, which would have been a huge, huge pop. That would have been a great moment. And one thing about this matchup is because of the losers, they now have no path to WrestleMania, even though WrestleMania is for two nights. I'm sorry, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Alpha Academy. There is no hope for you at WrestleMania. You're going to have to be stuck on WrestleMania SmackDown and catering, watching everybody get ready for WrestleMania (laughs) the next night, according to WWE. There is no path to you. Uh, no path for you. Ask John Cena back in 2018. There's no way for you to make WrestleMania. Not even for me. I had to buy a ticket to the show. But in all seriousness, I just love the matchup. And I do agree with Joey in that they could have saved this for WrestleMania, maybe add some stakes via a ladder match, which is still possible between now and WrestleMania. But this was a great way to kick off Monday Night Raw. And there is a question regarding who is going to be turning on who. And our friend Jeremy from Viking Media has suggested that perhaps maybe it will not be Randy Orton flipping on Riddle. It could be Riddle turning on Randy Orton instead. So, Scott, do you agree with that mindset? And what are your thoughts on this over on this tag team match that kicked off Monday Night Raw? Uh, so, as far as the Riddle turning on Orton thing, that that is an interesting thing. I I've said this. I've been saying this for probably months now. I think Riddle is going to be one of the biggest stars on the roster in about a year because I I do think that he is going to be a top guy when this entire story is said and done. I think he comes out of this as a top guy, championship level ready, where the fans are ready to get behind him. Um, but him as a heel, that's interesting, you know, because Randy does. Randy Orton is at a point right now where. 
the fans just are going to be behind him. I mean, he would have to do something like he would have to slap Riddle's mom or something to get some type of real heat. You know what I mean? Because people are just really behind him right now. And he's cutting these earnest baby face promos. Joey, you talked about it. You think you think it was a shoot. I, I'm I'm with you, man. Like, I, I think he just grabbed the mic and was like, man, let me tell you all something. Let me tell you all how I'm feeling right now. Because after we after we finish this, we go on in the back. We roll in a fatty and we are going to have the time <laughs> of our lives lives like this dude is having a blast and you can see it in his face uh, you talked about the chemistry raw has a very underrated underappreciated I, I don't like saying underrated underappreciated tag division when you really think about it you have these three teams uh you still have the street profits Dolph Ziggler and Robert Root are a good team I know they're doing other things but that's another good team that's a solid tag division between those five teams I mean, you can mix other teams in there um so and this match was fantastic. The RKO, I, I think it's easily up there with the Rollins one and the Shooting Star press catch. I think it's definitely right up there with those. What the, what happens next? Um, I, I guess I didn't answer the question from Jeremy either. I don't think it's going to be Riddle that turns because I, I just see him as the babyface, man. But it's it's hard to see the fans really turning against Orton like that. But Riddle could be that sympathetic figure that could make it easier for fans to get behind that and, and really want to hate Randy Orton because he is good at it. And let's not give it twisted. That's that's what he does best is, is him as a villain. Um, so there could be something to that. For WrestleMania, I think we get RK-Bro versus the Street Profits. They do have a victory over them um, before they got to this. So I think that's where we end up going with WrestleMania because unless they run it back with another three-way, but I don't see that happening. So I, I'm thinking at WrestleMania we get RK-Bro versus the Street Profits. And that would be very good. And if we do run it back with Alpha Academy at Ladders to the Mix, I would love a lot of match. Montez Ford flying off a ladder would make me very happy. But we'll see as we inch closer to WrestleMania Sunday or Saturday, whenever this match takes place. Next up is a perplexing promo from Edge. And normally I love myself an Edge promo. And he was very savvy not to have his theme music play live on the speakers because the fans would have popped for his entrance. He comes out underneath this blue spotlight that damn near fucked up my TV because it was so blinding. <laughs> I could hardly see him. He gets in the ring and I guess he wants to be Malachi Black from AEW. He wants to cut this brooding promo about how he wanted to bring out the Pitbull and AJ Styles. He wants his absolute best at Russell WrestleMania and how this awoke in a dark side of Edge. And I'm thinking to myself, Edge, this is all well and good, but I need a bit more depth than this. It's a nice idea to make sure the fans won't cheer for you via your awesome theme song. But this was a little bit hollow for me and I hated the blue spotlight. It bathed him out. It damn near blinded me. So I was not a fan of the presentation. I like the idea of switching things up ahead of WrestleMania, but the excuse and the reasoning of being almost a god falls a little bit short for me. So what do you your thoughts, Scott, on the follow-up to Edge's heel turn last week on AJ Styles. So I actually liked when he first came out with the with the spotlight, or it should have just been a spotlight, I think, because it it felt reminiscent of when Batista went heel, um, when him and John Cena were feuding before he left, and he was like he wants all the spotlight on him, and the arena went black and was just the spotlight on him, and I I felt like that's where they were going with it, but you know they wanted to go supernatural with it and and add add the you know a little flavor there and Malachi Black. 
slack is over in AEW. Like, y'all told me I can't do my stuff, but y'all got Edge over here looking like he ready to change it to the Blue Power Ranger. So, you know, we don't know what's going on over there with WWE. You both have mentioned that there's something broken over there with the creative because I, I – I like the idea. I just don't like the execution. I thought the promo was solid, but it, again, Keely, you bring up something. The lighting was so distracting. It's like, what are we doing, Edge? Like, what are we going for? Are you trying to be another blue man? What's going on with the lighting? So, because I liked what he had to say. I like what it is. Now, the other part of it is AJ Styles is going to have to cut a really fiery excellent babyface promo because if he doesn't i think edge is gonna eat him up when they do the i mean because they're gonna have a face-to-face wwe can't avoid that and edge is gonna eat him up so aj's got to be ready for that but this this could have been done a lot better cut all the the blue lights out give him just the spotlight you know just the spotlight everything else is blacked out and let edge cut that same promo i think you get a greater effect but nobody cares when you know he's just got this blue random blue light on him so i like the idea the execution left a lot to be desired yes and i still can't tell how fans really feel because they pipe in that fake noise and i cannot Mm -hmm. tell the true reaction for his promo so a white spotlight would have been the way to go because i was definitely distracted by blue man group edge i was not feeling it in the least (laughs) and i love edge i worship the ground edge walks on as a professional wrestler and a sports entertainer but my lord this was not it this was a bit too theatrical for me and this is exhibit 583 as to why kevin dunn needs to leave ww for production techniques like this. So, Joey, what is your thoughts on Edge's new heel persona as if he's a god heading into his WrestleMania Dream match against AJ Styles? So I'll make a point here that will probably be touched on throughout the entire conversation we'll have, and that is presentation in WWE is everything because it's not it's not just one thing over the other. It's your name it's your look it's your entrance music it's your moveset it's your charisma it's all these things that come into play uh that make the total you know the total package that they're presenting edge had a fantastic promo um the blue light or whatever that was reminded me of the undertaker entrance um it was very very unnecessary um uh it like you both said it could have just been a regular spotlight um but it kind of annoyed me in a sense because Edge coming out with the spotlight on him in a suit, cutting a heel promo. I mean, this has been done so many times. Maybe not by Edge, but the the, the suit gimmick, you know, coming out now, your Chris Jericho comes out, now he's a heel, he's in a suit. Uh, you know, uh, all these heels have come out in suits when they turn. The spotlight's on them. It's very, very overdone at this point um it's new for edge because we've never seen edge do it but then again how many people you think can even know he was in a suit because they couldn't see him with this light i thought it was going to go away in in a couple seconds i'm like oh they'll fix the production or whatever and it did not (laughs) it stayed the entire promo um like i said a great promo but the overall presentation killed the promo because I bet you right now, if you go ask, if you go line up 10 people and ask them what edge said, they don't remember because the presentation destroyed it. And going into WrestleMania with this caliber match, WWE really, really messed that one up. Great education by edge. No pun intended. 
but uh, not by WWE production. No, the production was messy and normally they're top notch, especially for big shows like WrestleMania and major pay-per-views outside the States. But this was just really bad. And it really took away anything that Edge had to say during this promo. And this is a dream match that really doesn't need a lot of work. You just need two guys out there who are legends cutting promos saying they're the best and call it a day. And Edge can still yeah. turn heel without the theatrics of having a blue spotlight telling him that he's God now. Like, great. He's God. Fantastic. And he's going to be God for the next three weeks and they'll shake hands and it's all good. And this entire turn was useless because of a blue exactly. spotlight that did nothing for any of us or him for that matter. So I will I will go into the match still positive about what they're doing in the ring, but the buildup has not been great. And as Scott mentioned, this is really going to be on AJ Styles' promo. What will he be able to do to bring out the emotion and the heart regarding this story with three weeks to go? And he's got to sell this concerto for at least another week before coming back with two weeks to spare before WrestleMania. And I do want to touch on the closing segment of Monday Night Raw involving Kevin Owens finally at long last saying that he wants Stone Cold Steve Austin on the KO show. And I know some fans wanted this to be a match and it still very well could based on the language that Stone Cold used in his video response this past Tuesday on Twitter. But Stone Cold is 57 years old. He has not done this in nearly 19 years. And his doctor told him one more bump in that neck and you could potentially die or be paralyzed. And I know that everybody, I know that everybody's next situation is different. We look at Edge, we look at Brian Daniels, and we look at Christian for crying out loud. Concussions and neck injuries have derailed their careers for a number of years, and they've made great comebacks. Stone Cold is older than these guys. Sting is a unicorn in that way. He's able to jump off high shit and crash through four tables <laughs> with spinal stenosis, but everybody's necks are different. It's not a case, it's a case by case situation. So I would love Stone Cold to come back. I would love him to walk down the ramp with the jeans, with the knee, with the knee braces, with the swagger, with the chain of WrestleMania, giving people the pop and the love they would give him and that he rightfully deserves. But at the exact same time, I don't want him to risk his health in the process. And he probably told them, listen, it's a bit too late for me to do a match. I would do a fight and I can accept that. Hope fans can as well, because this was never billed as a match. It was never promised as a match. The report stated it was overtures made to Stone Cold about a match. But I'm sure the doctors told him one way or the other what he can and cannot do. So, Joey, what are your initial thoughts on Steve Austin accepting the challenge to appear on the KO show and what are your expectations heading into this presumed fight and or match at WrestleMania? See Stone Cold and I don't think I've ever said this on any podcast or anything. Stone Cold is my favorite wrestler of all time. Plain and simple. He's my favorite. Hands down my favorite. Um, if you were to tell me any time before Tuesday or any time before Monday that in 2022 we'd have Stone Cold Steve Austin in some sort of fight, whatever the case may be, at WrestleMania, I would have said you are lying. Um, but it's true. You know, Stone Cold is coming back for whatever this is. He said in that promo, uh, you don't want to call it a match, a fight, a brawl, whatever. Um, so there is going to be some sort of altercation at WrestleMania. Honestly, I'm not going into it expecting anything uh, because I just want to be surprised by it. You know, this is one of those things in in life where uh, you're getting something that you never thought you'd get 
ever again. So there's nothing to really think about or really to expect from it. Just let it happen. You know, it's, it's just, it's really exciting to see. And I made a point on Twitter. I said, if you are, uh, a self-proclaimed wrestling fan and you are complaining about this, please unfollow me because this is not something there's, there should be nothing negative about it. Obviously we all want stone cold to make uh, proper choices regarding his health, you know, listen to the doctor's orders. Um, but then again, we don't know if he's taken precautions or he's, he's gotten surgeries and done what he's needed to do over the last 19 years to prepare him for something like this. We don't know, the backstory. Um, so whatever the case may be, Stone Cold Steve Austin will be in some sort of fight at WrestleMania 38 in his home state of Dallas, uh, Texas, in Texas. And I am excited as all hell to see that. And that's the bottom line because he said so. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will not let WWE off the hook because these fuckers had the audacity to hit that glass and pull up a graphic and troll the entire city of Cleveland thinking this man was physically in the building. How dare you, WWE? My heart My jumped. heart dropped. It did. Oh, my God. <laughs> my oh, heart man. dropped, too. I was like, oh, shit, he's here. We get a promo exchange with, what, 90, what, 60 seconds to go? I don't believe that. But WWE, you fucking trolls for that. That is a tease of teases regarding Stone Cold I popping screamed. up. <laughs> I screamed. I was ready to turn off the TV. I heard it and I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Yes. Like <laughs> my heart did a pitter patter. And then I was angry at WWE. Thank you for making me feel like Fred G. Sanford for a grand total of two minutes. Follow my Sanford and Son fans out there. So, Scott, as we discussed previously on The Wrap, we would love to see the presentation of jeans, knee braces, the necklace, the vest at a WrestleMania against Kevin Owens. At this point, if we get a fight, I'm good with it because it's, it's a WrestleMania moment that I'm into. But what is your ultimate scenario regarding what will happen on the KO show during night one of WrestleMania? So my ultimate scenario is for just Kevin Owens to just be running through some of these Texas legends. Like a, like I would love for like a JBL to come out and Kevin Owens just pop a power bomb stunner. Like get this dude out of my ring, man. This is who I asked for. Like I would love for him to do that to all these Texas people because you know they got a good amount of people they can throw out there. And then at the very end, he's like, "Y'all know who I want." The crowd's chanting it, Austin, and then the glass. And listen, Joey, you you hit it on the head about you know letting it play out. I don't care what anybody on Twitter says. I don't care what any type of complaining they can do. They can say WWE's desperate. They can make any type of point they want to make about it. When that glass shatters at WrestleMania, whatever it's going to be, the place is going to erupt. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be the biggest reaction of the weekend when he walks out there and that glass shatters. And when he's got that strut going and he's just mowing down to the ring, he's well, he'll probably driving his four wheel because that's probably going to be a really long entrance. <laughs> Let me remember that, too. So he's probably going to drive that down. But, yeah, I, I you know, I. I'm just and I'm anticipating this just as a fan, just for that moment. Um, you know, WWE is great at creating moments, and that's going to be a moment when that glass shatters. Man, I'm just getting excited thinking about it. You two brought up how when the glass shattered right here, you both were like, "Oh my gosh, it's about to happen." This was WWE 100% trolling us and getting us ready and be like, "Hey, it's coming. Get ready because this moment is going to happen." So I. 
I don't really have anything negative to say about this. I am excited about this. I'm excited to experience old school Stone Cold because I didn't get to experience that live as a viewer because I wasn't into wrestling at the time. And when I was, I was watching WCW. So I didn't get to live through Stone Cold. So this is probably going to be one of the closest things of me actually experiencing the old school Stone Cold live. You know what I mean? In the ring, getting as close to a match as I'll probably ever get. So I'm really excited about this just as I guess in this perspective, I would be a quote unquote newer fan to Stone Cold. That's a cool experience for you to see this guy come out there and live out his glory for KO. And personally, I would love for KO to stun fake Texan Booker T representing Harlem Heat. That line (laughs) was hilarious. (laughs) See, that's what I mean. Like he could have so much fun just going through these Texas legends. Listen, we all know WWE does not care about rolling some legends out there to get brutalized and embarrassed on TV. So let's make it a segment and let's build to old Stone Cold coming out and let this man have this great moment. All I've gotten to do is use the, the terrible cock that they put out there. So I, this is, this is me wanting and get in the moment so i man i I can't wait and i'm yeah i'm with you on that let's let's go ahead and have him you know kick harlem out of booker t (laughs) you know what's so crazy about this whole thing my dad is not a wrestling fan he he knows wrestling because of me um and when i told him that you know stone cold is coming back but he's going to be doing something at wrestlemania his eyes lit up and he's like i gotta watch see See? And that's and that is just something that WWE is good at doing because my dad is, you know, he's he's roughly 50 years old now. And to see his eyes light up like mine do watching wrestling for someone that he watched when I was younger, um that's such a cool feeling and I think that that's happening all around the world right now. So obviously Stone Cold is still a draw. But what it's going to do for people, it's going to bring them back to the wrestling that they liked um, growing up or, or back then or even for you, Scott, like wrestling that you didn't get a chance to experience. Um, I think that just it's going to be a, 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 such a cool, such a cool time, and especially when that glass breaks. And I hope I really do pray that he has a cool entrance where like he drives his uh his four wheeler like like through a glass wall or something and that shatters that'd be tight and he just goes down to the ring because there's a difference of stone cold going to the ring to get on the microphone and say what and you know drink beer and then there's a difference of stone cold going down to the ring to fight and i think that this generation of wrestling fans is going to be able to experience like you too scott that stone cold going to the ring to fight and that that's something to really really it's going to be a moment forever indeed and one bonus topic for monday night raw before we move over to nxt 2.0 it is the million dollar question will cody rhodes show up this monday in jacksonville florida will seth rollins finally find his path to wrestlemania is the deal done for Cody to appear on Monday Night Raw and subsequently WrestleMania? Is he trolling the media? Is he lying to everybody? Is he playing all of us? Scott, your final prediction. Will Cody show up on Monday night? Uh, 
I'm going to say if Cody Rhodes, you know, the one of the greatest ambassadors of ending racism, didn't show up during Black History Month, I definitely don't <laughs> think he's showing up during Women's History Month. Um, so um, let me just say, man, I, I want to say yes, because I just feel like they have to have something planned for Seth Rollins. They're not going to screw this man over. So I'm going to say yes, because I know they're not going to do Seth Rollins dirty. All right, Joey. So we've been watching the interwebs for the last few weeks. We're on Cody Watch 2022. And this is pretty much the last chance for a Cody appearance. That makes sense. The symbolism of Jacksonville, the birthplace of AEW three years ago, and Vince being a troll, and Cody coming back to say, I am here to restart a revolution from within. Is it possible that after all of these teases, after all of this time, Cody debuts on Monday in Jacksonville? You said the word troll, and that's like, that's what I think WWE is exactly what they're exactly going to do. I think that people are going to tune into Monday Night Raw to see if Cody's going to show up, and he's not going to. And I think that this is going to lead to Seth, you know, doing his whole uh, blacking out his his social media and doing all this stuff, and, and just going going dark and going silent. I think that he's going to show up at WrestleMania and just kind of just do nothing. And go to the ring and maybe do a segment or something. And then that's where we get Cody at WrestleMania. I like that idea, too. So Cody's debuting some way, somehow. I think so. I like it. Ooh, WWE trolling in Jacksonville. I would not put it past him in the least as Seth falls into a psychosis heading into the last stages of (laughs) WrestleMania. He's going through that broken phase he went through when he didn't beat Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. He's in the second place under further notice. As you make Seth lost his smile. (laughs) Again. He lost it again. Hey, let me let me ask fatherhood. And now ask y'all a question though. If if Cody doesn't show up, who who do y'all what do y'all think Seth does at WrestleMania if there's no Cody? Ah, uh, I mean, what's the backup plan know. for him? Like, what what's left for? The only thing I can think of is like a showcase match against Braun Breaker. You just put together last minute. I mean, I, I don't know what else you would do with him. I I, I 100% don't believe that he. There's nothing for him. There's something planned. There, ha, there, there it it just doesn't make sense how you cannot have anything planned. Either maybe he gets involved in the. Uh, in the Stone Cold segment, and it becomes uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels, mm. and something comes along that you know. Uh, but I definitely think that there's a match in store for Seth. Seth is one of the best on the on the roster. Absolutely, there's no way that he's not having a match at WrestleMania. And he's had a tough history with Texas because six years ago he was watching the show from the balcony due to his knee injury. And he left the show when I watched. We remember watching WWE 24. He was just in the wrong frame of mind. So he's healthy. He's good to go. And I don't want this man on the goddamn pre-show for the Dre. No, no, no. No Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Warrior for you. And knowing WWE, that might be on WrestleMania SmackDown as a way to appease Fox. So here's hoping that's not happening for Seth between now and WrestleMania. But Cody Wash continues into Monday Night Raw and possibly beyond if Joey's theory comes to fruition. 
And now it is time to talk about that topic that gets us all fired up every single week. It's time for some 2.0 talk courtesy (laughs) of NXT. And this show was all over the place. But let's get to the good stuff, shall we? As the Women's Dusty Cup continued and we have the final set. It will be Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai versus... Let me see. Not Raquel Gonzalez and Corey J because they were eliminated. The fake team I had no faith in. And now Corey J is possibly going after the NXT Women's Championship against Mandy Rose, presumably at Stand and Deliver. But the tag team will be Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray, who beat Casey and JoJo. And quite possibly their best match as a tag team to date. Really enjoyed it. And I think these are the two correct teams making it into the finals of the Women's Dusty Cup. And I will assume they will face Hakus Attraction at stand and deliver so I thought both matches were pretty good even though I love the Wendy Chu gimmick I did not love it very much during this matchup some things felt a little bit cold to me and a wee bit corny but we'll endure it I think I think we'll find a way through this situation as Dakota Kai gains a friend after all of this time so Scott what are your thoughts on the semis of the women's Dusty cup and who you got winning the whole thing and here's a better question do you still have your money after Steven made that bet last week to say which team was going to win? <laughs> so I don't have no money left. Let's just throw that out there first. Damn. Um, <laughs> secondly, uh, you know, this the, the right teams are definitely in the finals. Um, you know, I think this is the best possible matchup. I'm glad you mentioned the Wendy Chu thing because... The first few minutes of that match, I absolutely hated and was really because I watched this on delay. I was really about to fast forward through the match when she started sleeping in the ring and Cora Jade decided she wanted to tiptoe through the ring because there's not, you know, fans in attendance who are talking that could wake Wendy Chu up. So Lord knows if she walked normally (laughs) across the ring, that's what's going to be what wakes her up. Right. So that really pissed me off. Like (laughs) I really got upset about that. Um I, then so after that the match picked up and I actually thought the ending of the match was really cool the Dakota Kai Ra- Raquel Gonzalez thing I don't know where that's going I you know I thought they that played up a little too long um especially because Raquel is she it made Raquel kind of look weak because it was about three or four opportunities where Dakota Kai could have kicked her head off and instead she's like you know the the fourth personality that she's got in her brain is telling her you know hey I'm here I got kicked the other two out so I got something to tell you now so it's I don't know exactly what's going on with that I didn't like the the injury I thought that was a little weak that took out Raquel she did a great job selling the knee though I will give her that um Cora Jade looks like she's gonna be challenging I I think that's going to be her coronation as well. Um, as far as Santa Liver, I think Toxic Attraction lose all the gold. I think Cora Jade wins. And then as far as the team, I think it's Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai. I, I have them winning this. I think that's because I see them two actually being a team going forward in this division. I don't see Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray being a team. If anything, I see Kaylee Ray snapping on Io Shirai because um, I, I don't I don't. I don't, I'm surprised she's been a babyface this long, to be completely honest with you. So I'm ex- fully expecting her to snap on EO after they lose this match, or at least sometime in the row, because I think that could be an excellent match to add to the card of Stand and Deliver, have another women's singles match. There, That's right there. It's right there if you want a good matchup to put on the card for everyone. So you could add that matchup as well. Um, so, so that's where I'm at with that. I, I do want to say that 
this has turned out a little bit better. Casey and JoJo, man, they they put on it. They 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 went quote unquote crazy out there, um, and they were asking the fans, "How do you want it?" And let me tell you that uh, the fans were the fans were very happy with what they saw, and I, I hope this is the 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 standard going forward for them because I you know they've had performances like this, and then they fall right back into just being a regular. NXT 2.0 team, but hopefully they can build off of this going forward. By the way, virtual chef's kiss for how do you want it? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. So Joey, there's inside joke that we have nicknamed Caden Carter and Casey Kenzaro after Casey and Jojo. It's a far better name for this group as a tag team. It's superior. The jokes write themselves. And that was a hell of a poison Rana from Casey and Jojo to Kaylee Ray that popped me in the crowd. Yes. That was spectacular. And at that point, that should have been the finish. And that should have been the team going to the finals because they are the only tag team that were in this tournament that started from that day one-ish. But I'm cool with the finals. I think Dakota Kai and Randy Chu are going to win the whole thing. They were my dark horse from the beginning. And they could do a lot of good as tag team champs and most importantly as friends so joey what are your thoughts on the semifinals of the women's dusty cup and who you got winning the whole thing come possibly this upcoming tuesday you know what's surprising about the whole uh dusty classic this year both men's and women they put so much uh like they marketed the men's so well or so much should i say and the women's kind of took a back seat and the women's Dusty Cup is actually the one that's the most interesting because there's so many different directions that these stories can go. Where the men's were just like, all right, well, it's MSK and the Creed Brothers and it's kind of that that's pretty much it. It ends there and the winner goes on. This is very different because they're obviously building Wendy. She's a new character that is obviously very over with the crowd because no one has ever seen a character that sleeps during the match. Um, it's it's entertaining. Um, will it work on Raw or SmackDown? Hell no. But for NXT, I guess it's what's it's what's working. Dakota Kai uh, being crazy, having twenty five personalities, um, going along with this character that it's her friend is fantastic. It's just showing another side of Dakota. So the point of them being a tag team is to build Wendy, but also put focus on Dakota and possibly turn her face uh, for a little while and build this kind of crazy character she's got going on. Um, I definitely think that the right call was to have EO and, and uh, Kaylee Ray go to the final or yeah, to the finals um, because Raquel and, and Cora just, they seem like they're becoming a legit tag team, but Cora going to the title scene is a way to build her. Um, I don't know what Raquel does. Maybe Raquel, uh, gets jealous that Cora has gotten so much of the attention that she cost Cora Jade the title, and then we get a triple threat between Mandy, Cora, and Raquel. That's kind of where I think that's going with that. Um, but for the Dusty Classic, I definitely think Wendy and uh, Dakota are going to win the whole thing. They're going to become the new uh, NXT Women's Tag Team Champions and just bring some fun back to the titles in NXT because Toxic Attraction, I was so happy when they won the titles, all three of them, but they've done nothing as champions. They just sit in that little booth that they have every week and they really don't defend the titles, which is kind of, you know, uh, it's kind of depressing to see, but... Wendy and Dakota winning the titles will be excellent to see. 
And then EO and Kaylee Ray, I think that something's going to happen between the two of them where they have a match at TakeOver, uh, Stand and Deliver. And that's kind of EO Shirai's swan song to NXT, and she possibly goes up to SmackDown after WrestleMania. Please, Lord Hopefully. Almighty, please. It's been too long. She needs to yeah, go. I, there's nothing left yeah, for her to do. Is, no. No, there's not. This is the second time that she's in a, in a random tag team in the Dusty Classic. Like, she's just doing nothing. Yeah, she is the glue holding that division together, and that might be the reason why she's staying. Because if she goes, all you got is Dakota, maybe Wendy, and that's it in terms of experience that can really hold these matches together. We'll see. It's long overdue. Raquel might be getting the call up as well post-WrestleMania, and I think it's long overdue for her as well. I think that the women's division is in good hands, but of course you want that steady hand, and Io Shirai might be that person, but my God, she is so much better off on Raw SmackDown moving forward post-WrestleMania season. As we move on to the last man standing match involving LA Knight and Grayson Waller. And I enjoyed this match greatly because LA Knight is going to do something that has not been done in damn near 20 years if he moves to the main roster, which could be imminent post-WrestleMania, in that he might replace the what chant with yeah. Mm -hmm. He might well get away with that. This dude was subbing a mud hole in Grayson Waller as he lives his best as he lives his best Stone Cold life once again. And the fans chanting yeah, and then counting from 10 with yeah. This could get over big on the main roster. And if it replaces the what chant that was infecting TV this week, thanks to an Eddie Kingston promo. And even on Friday <laughs> with Brock fucking Lesnar, you chanting what at him? The audacity. That's why he threw that championship belt the way he did. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> but yeah. L.A. Knight's got it. He's got personality. He's got the talent in the ring. And to see where he was a year ago on this show, a guy who was not over to being one of the most beloved baby faces on this show is everything. And on top of that, Grayson Waller, despite his five initial personalities on this show, has gotten over as a heel. And that elbow drop, the between the legs, as as if he's some kind of NBA dunk contest winner was fantastic. (laughs) I love that. And then he used Sanja to stand up to win the entire match. I thought that was incredibly clever as well. So I loved everything about this match, but especially LA Knight standing out as a baby face and possibly retiring the what chant after 21 years. So Joey, what are your thoughts on this last man standing match involving LA Knight and Grayson Waller? Well, before I before we even go into that, I just need to say yeah because that has been stuck in my head um, since since he last spoke, and I think that LA Knight is the greatest part of NXT 2.0 because he's just so damn entertaining. Everything he 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 gets he cuts a promo before he comes to the ring, and then he just performs well in the ring. Um, but his time in NXT is done. I mean, it's it's up. He's done. He, he, technically, he hasn't won any championships there. He was the million-dollar champion, but that wasn't technically a championship. Um, but if you think about all the greats that have come from NXT that are on the main roster, they never won a championship in uh, in NXT besides, you know, Seth and Biggie and, and people like that. But after those guys, um, I think LA Knight is just – he's ready. He's ready for the main roster. And him and guys like Champa, they've done their job with NXT 2.0. You know, Champa getting over uh, Braun Breaker and LA Knight putting over um, Grayson Waller. I think that they've done a great job, both of them doing doing what they had to do to, to make to make stars for NXT 2.0. 
but it's time. And, you know, I think a lot of fans are going to be bored if this feud continues. This is why I think it's over. And by the way, Shane McMahon would be so proud of, of uh, <laughs> Grayson Waller after that spot off the top rope to the announce table. Um, someone has to live up to that. But I think it's time for LA Knight to go up. I don't know where he goes because if you look at the main champions on the, ro- on the main roster, I mean, where does he go? He's not facing Roman and he's not facing Brock. Um, and if there's going to be one champion after WrestleMania, I mean, where does he fit on the card? So it's kind of a tug and pull with LA Knight. But this match uh, did what it needed to do. It got Grayson over. It, it made LA Knight look great. But it, it has to end here. Yes, this feud is dated back since before Halloween Havoc in October. It is now March. We have had several federal holidays pass. It's time to let all of this go. And here's hoping LA Knight moves on to the main roster post-WrestleMania season. And he is really the epitome of what Vince loves. A sports entertainer of the highest order. A guy that can talk, has the look, and the talent to get over on Raw or SmackDown post-Mania season. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on, yeah, LA Knight and Grayson Waller in a last man standing match? Well, let me talk to you, first of all. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Secondly, um, I I think you guys both hit it on the head. Like, he's he's ready for the main roster um, before I get into the match. Like, he's absolutely ready for it. He's got a great look. He can cut a hell of a promo. And, you know, I I remember him as Eli Drake and him being really good at these baby – I mean, as as these heel promos. But him as a baby face has been a lot of fun. And it just seems like he's been allowed to just be himself more. seems just just seems more natural than Kilo like you brought up when he first debuted on NXT everything which just was forced and he was just another guy but now he's clearly clearly the lead baby face well he's the number two baby face on that roster Braun Breaker's still that guy but he's the number two baby face on that roster um, and the crowd just loves him and you know what? Actually, I might take that back because if he wasn't a matchup Braun Breaker, he would probably get cheered more than Braun. And don't let him cut a promo on him because then it's a wrap. But, I mean, this this guy just... He he has done his job. I think that was a really good way of putting Grayson Waller. I've been singing his praises uh, since he laid out Johnny Gargano. He's been fantastic in this role. He's going to have a job for life in WWE if he wants because he's he's literally everything that they want on the main roster. Whenever he gets caught up, he is going to be a Miz type. And, you know, some people are going to think that's an insult, but that's, I mean, that's absolutely a compliment because he's always going to be involved in something. He's always going to be in that IC title picture. He'll get some love in the main events. He's going to be around. So, and this match was good. I, you both talked about that, that, um, the elbow drop or that, that top rope elbow drop with the double between the legs. Love that. That's beautiful. Um, Grayson Waller's little hop into the middle rope springboard move. When he, when Eli or Eli Drake, when uh, LA Knight caught him and then threw him to the other side through the table, that was a great spot too. Um, one thing I don't like about last man standing matches, if I'm, if I'm going to need to knock somebody out for 10 seconds, I'm going to go grab a crowbar 
and I'm going to just hit them in the back of the <laughs> knee and they're not going to be able to get up. Like, I, I'm not going to wrestle you. I'm not going to punch you in the face. I'm just going to hit you in the legs and so you can't walk. And then you have them on the ground and you're not going to hit them in the head. Let me put a trash can over you to make sure it doesn't hurt too bad. Let me, you know what I'm saying? Let me, let me make sure it doesn't <laughs> hurt too bad because I want to keep wrestling a little bit more. So stuff like that just kind of irritates me in a last man standing match. I get they wanted to use the gimmick, but just have a no DQ match and you can do these things without throwing the logic out the window. Um, besides that, the match was fine. I am kind of looking forward to them moving on. I'd love for Grayson Waller to be the next up to challenge Braun Breaker after he gets through. Cause I don't want Walter challenging it or I don't want Gunther challenging until he, <laughs> I, I got to get used to that. That's, <laughs> that sucks, man. Well, it's not as bad as what never it sounds like we're new wrestling fans. We don't know the people. We don't know the people. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche right there. Um, WWE is just making us all new. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you don't know their new names, you know, you what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so, I, you know, if so I would love for Grayson Waller to be next up for uh, Braun Breaker. But, yeah, this was good. I'm ready for them both to move on to something new, though. Yes, and for the record, Scott, Grayson Waller would be a more talented mm-hmm. and charismatic There's Miz the shot. There's the shot. For the next 20 years. <laughs> That's a pillar well, right there. I've been calling L.A. Knight uh, Dwayne L.A. Johnson because he's got a very <laughs> yes. similar personality. Mixed with a he little stone cold, too. Yes, stone cold, yeah. too. He's a hybrid of those two guys. He LA is... three sixteen. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad at all, actually. I like bad. that. See, Vince, put yeah, that on a yeah. T-shirt. It's going to sell a whole lot of money, but he is a hybrid. No, they'll just, they'll the just add the glass to his entrance theme when he comes out. That's what they'll do <laughs> and just ruin that. <laughs> okay, so now we're just going to butcher L.A. Knight's debut on this main roster. He's going to have the vest, glass breaking. <laughs> L.A. 316 just said he whooped your ass. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact of life. <laughs> That's a fact of life. I See, love L.A. Knight. Yes, listen, the perfect sports entertainer right there, WWE. For days, man. Well, wait, he's going to the, if he goes to the main roster, they may change his name. So his main, his his name might just become Mike. Like, we don't know. Oh, my God. Or Doug. Midnight. (laughs) Doug. 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 Or, or, or Butch. Or Butch. Butch. You never know. It could be anything these days. Butch Knight would be his new name. Butch (laughs) Knight. Let me tell you something. If, if LA Knight in any universe gets called up at his name Doug, <laughs> I am going to lose. If any wrestler from 2.0 is called up and is just called Doug, just Doug, I'm going to spaz out. And if there's not a manager named Patty Mayonnaise, they blew an opportunity. <laughs> Listen, WWE has a thing right now for Oliver Twist characters. So. It could be anything at this point. There you go. Oh, man. oh, my God. Doug, don't even get me started on when Disney fucked up Doug. Just oh, like Doug. WWE fucks up names. It's the synergy is right there. Mm-hmm. Perfect comparison. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Serenity now as all those flashbacks come back from my youth. As we make that transition to the main event of NXT 2.0 featuring Braun Breaker defending his NXT title against Tommaso Ciampa and Dolph Ziggler. This was a really great way to end the show. And Dolph Ziggler has been reinvigorated on 2.0 as of late, putting in that work and cutting really great promos. My only issue is the fact this dude is lost in two matches matches in a span of six days prior to this title match on Tuesday. And if you want to book a guy strongly heading into stand and deliver, have him win his tag team matches or better yet have Robert Root lose him to quote my co-host Scott. He's right there. 
pin his ass. He's not doing anything. He's not going to a takeover. He's not going to a WrestleMania unless he's in the Dre going for the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle um, Memorial Battle Warrior Trophy. He's not going to be a huge difference maker at WrestleMania. Pin Robert Bobby Roode. But oh, no, 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 no. Dolph Ziggler was booked like a bitch. But booking withstanding, <laughs> I thought this was a really good match. And once again, Braun Breaker put on a show and that spear to Ziggler mm. topped the one he did last week. He cut this man up in half and Ziggler turned inside out for him. And I loved it. I loved the false finishes as well as we thought that Ziggler had Ciampa beat with the zigzag and the Famouser combo for a near fall. We thought Breaker was done for at one point thanks to Ziggler. But the finishing of the, the finisher of this match was Robert Roode pulling Braun Breaker out of the ring to avoid a knee strike from Ciampa. And Robert Roode pulled the trunk so hard that we saw a full moon of Braun Breaker's ass on live TV. That was quite the sight for everybody. And then Ziggler drops Ciampa with a super kick to become the new NXT champion. The crowd is shocked. Somehow, some way, the Brock Lesnar fan was there in his t-shirt from 10 years ago, standing right there in shock and awe of all of this. And Ziggler has interrupted the road to stand and deliver, knock down that roadblock as he heads into the show as NXT champion. I thought this was really good, and I can understand the reasoning behind it as it's a way for Braun Breaker to be coronated officially in front of 5,000 fans on a Saturday, hours before WrestleMania. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the Chipper Thread and Dolph Ziggler being the new NXT champion in 2022? A um, couple things. Uh, first off, the Brock Lesnar guy. I, I do want to touch on him for a minute. <laughs> I could have swore I saw him at AEW Revolution on Saturday. Yes. Like yes. I, so this dude is just literally at every wrestling event that's on TV, and he's always in the front row. So I want to know what he does for a living because I'm trying to do that too. <laughs> just saying, you know, holla at me. I'm, you know, I'm a good worker. Anyway, um, this was a really. I thought this was a really good triple threat. I thought the finish could have been timed a little bit better. I think, you know, when he when he went for the crack, yeah, I think that did kind of, you know, mess the timing up a little bit right there. But I like the, the finish as far as what they were going for. Um, Braun Breaker, I, you know, I, I'm going to say it every time he has a big match. I, he has really just improved a tremendous amount from that first match to now. He's more confident. He's hitting these spears. You talk about he's like cutting through people. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. He's one guy that they've done a good job with. And, you know, there was there was an argument to be made about Braun Breaker looking strong through this match or, you know, winning this match and just not taking any losses. And you still being able to do the Dolph match by pinning Champa. And, you know, I, 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 there, I do get that, but I, I do think there is something to Braun getting that big win in front of a big crowd or at least a, a, a bigger crowd than, than, you know, the, 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 than the, the smaller NXT crowd, um, that he's, he sees every week. So I think there is something to that, not even just for the audience perspective to see the crowd, a large crowd going crazy for him, but for Braun to just experience that, to get that euphoria of that large stadium crowd, we're not stadium, but that larger crowd just going crazy for him. I've, I called it, you know, I was I've calling for it before. I, I'm really happy that Dolph Ziggler won the belt. I think he's a good fit for NXT. You're not doing anything with him on the main roster. This is the perfect guy to send back down to NXT and work with these younger guys. You know, do we? It's it's amazing that more, you know, that 
they've been able to stay as injury free, you know, with these younger talents working with each other as it is, I've always said that this should always be a vet versus a younger talent. It should always have that type of matchup or the vet should be on the outside of the ring somehow, some way in around that matchup. So I love Ziggler being involved and working with Braun Breaker because he works a different style than Champa, and they're both been working very closely with him. So I think this does nothing but just help Braun and his confidence. And who better to sell for Braun Breaker than Adolph Ziggler? You talk about those spears. Let's give Ziggler some credit on just taking them bad boys like a champ and then selling the hell out of them. So I'm I'm very excited, and I think that that title match is going to be Braun Breaker's best match to date with him and Ziggler. I agree. Big time stage, biggest crowd yet for him. And he's going to deliver. And Ziggler is a big time performer as well and sells like nobody's business. That was one of the reasons why I love this dude for so long until he bored me for the last five years up until now, which is a good stretch for him on NXT as of late. So, Joey, what are your thoughts on the main event of 2.0 as a roadblock has been presented courtesy of Dolph Ziggler on that road to stand and deliver? Well, it's been a long time since NXT had a shock to the system. And I think that this really was that moment where everyone just was dumbfounded. Like, what just happened? And the only word that comes to mind, honestly, is finally. Because Dolph Ziggler is finally getting his flowers while he is still around. This guy has been killing it for like 15 years in WWE. Uh, I don't think he's ever been injured. Um, If he has, it was something very minor. And he's just so, he's able to adapt to everything. He could be in the tag team division, be a tag team champion, and be very, very entertaining. He could be an intercontinental champion and make that title look like it's the most important title in WWE. He can be a world champion. Well, I don't think he had that much luck on on, uh, Raw with the world world championship. But um, he was injured, I think, during that thing. I'm not sure what the case was. But him being NXT champion proves that, one, he is just so damn good, and two, that uh, WWE still firmly believes in him. And I think that's something really to appreciate about him, that after this long, they still uh, they look at him to be the guy to, to say, you know what, we want, you, we want guys to be like you. We're going to put you in NXT for a little while and just you know put guys over and, and, and make them great like you. And I think that that's something really, really... Uh, that, that we should all, you know, be patting Ziggler on the back. Because I saw a lot of negativity on Twitter about him becoming champion. And I think that this is only good for NXT. Um, and at NXT Stand and Deliver, I mean, there's rumors that uh, Braun Breaker is being called up, which is why he lost the title in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would not be surprised to see him debut after WrestleMania. Um, but if he is getting that title match, you know, if it is... Uh, Dolph Ziggler versus uh, Braun Breaker at Stand and Deliver. I mean, it's kind of too close close to call. Like, I could definitely see Braun winning and getting a huge win over the it, with that crowd and and really being over and you know that firmly being the end of any sort of doubt people had about him. Or two Ziggler wins shocks the world again. Really makes NXT look like it's something so much better than it is. And Braun, you know, gets called up to Raw or SmackDown, hopefully becoming Braun Steiner. But that's a whole other thing. Um, but I just think that and, – and, and the downside of this whole thing is that when NXT was black and gold, the original NXT, you didn't see guys and girls from, from Raw or SmackDown 
coming down there to help guys. And I think that the cracks are showing in 2.0, you know, having guys like AJ come down, having guys like Ziggler and, and Robert Roode come down, uh, and even utilizing guys like Ciampa. I mean, their whole thing was we don't want guys, you know, in their late 30s. We don't want women, <coughs> excuse me, uh, we don't want women in their late, you know, 30s and over in this brand. We want it to be young stars that we can create ourselves. But if you look at what's happening, it's all the older and indie guys and girls. Uh, so there's some cracks in NXT 2.0 um, where we didn't have those in, in the original NXT. But overall, this is just uh, a really great thing for, for Dolph Ziggler. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, but, I mean, in 2022, Z Dolph Ziggler is a world champion. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, it's very crazy and good for him as well. And as you mentioned, the cracks are showing on 2.0 and had a bold claim that the show would be in a better place by June. We'll see. And there <laughs> is potential with this show, obviously. But we go back to nearly three years ago when they made the move to USA and that you had all of these resources with Raw Smackdown to really amplify NXT black and gold to really compete with AEW. They did it for a month via Survivor Series and they dropped it. Yeah, Charlotte Flair was NXT Women's Champion but it didn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah, Sasha and Bailey go there. That made a difference for a while as well. If they kept going and kept implementing the main roster, they would have been in a better place versus blowing up everything and trying to start from scratch. And we did discover diamonds in the rough like a Braun Breaker, a Carmelo Hayes, a Tony D'Angelo, but you kind of left the heart on the floor somewhere, just discarded, beating aimlessly, and you're trying to get it back in his chest and it ain't going back in. We can't fix it. It is what it is. And this is the idea of development to moving forward. And there are pluses and minuses to that via our initial discussion at the top of this show. But I still got June as my deadline and we'll see how it goes in the next couple of months. And now it is time for Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, which went down live a couple of days ago from Birmingham, Alabama. And we kick things off with a very angry cowboy, Brock Lesnar. This guy, for the first time in a while, was not smiling. He was not laughing. There were no selfies, no handshakes, no high fives, no dancing on the table. Brock Lesnar wanted Roman Reigns' blood, and he would not stop until he got it. And Paul Heyman came out to tell him, Roman took the night off. He's unavailable. I guess you got to get your blood at another time and Brock was so mad he chucked the WWE championship belt in the direction of Pat McAfee and my lord that was a toss that was a crazy crazy <laughs> toss by Brock Lesnar and then he proceeded to run down Paul Heyman and Paul Heyman outran Brock Lesnar. He got at least a 50-yard head start. He ran to the back and Brock Lesnar was beating up security guards. Once again, a glorious sight. Paul got in his limousine. He drove away. Brock tried to run down the car to no avail, but I really love the opener of SmackDown. And I read an interview with Brock prior to the show this past Friday, and he notes that he likes to change up his character. One moment he can be happy, one minute he can be angry, just like his real life self. And we definitely saw that. So I love the versatility with Brock's performance. Being happy-go-lucky cowboy one minute and being a monster that wants to kill Roman Reigns, figuratively, of course, <laughs> heading into WrestleMania. So, Joey, what are your thoughts on pissed off Brock Lesnar, which kicked off Friday Night SmackDown. This is the Brock Lesnar that everybody knows. And this is the Brock Lesnar I think everybody was waiting for to come out during this feud with, with, with Roman. Because as of, as of you know, now, 
this feud has gone really in Roman's favor. I mean, Roman looks stronger than Brock Lesnar for the, and that's a that's a new thing for Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has never been doubted before. Lesnar has always been, you know, the, the the more impactful guy in the feud. So, this is definitely a new side. But I hope that WWE really did tip well that uh that security team because Brock Lesnar murdered them. <laughs> No, he he completely murdered them. Like when he ran backstage, like he he pushed like three or four guys through tables, and you just heard things smashing and people screaming. And Michael called, "Oh my god!" Oh my, and just a whole thing. And I mean, when you're in that situation with Brock Lesnar, I mean, the the, the beast comes out. It's real. The beast is real, and he he pumbles people, and he sometimes hurts people. Um, but I think that this is the perfect time for that side of Lesnar to come out with this you know having a few weeks left to Wrestlemania now his head's in the game and I think in the upcoming weeks Lesnar's going to take control of this whole thing oh for sure and next week they're in North Carolina same building same time I expect lots and lots of blood and Fox is prepared to pay the fine if need be so Scott what are your takes on Brock Lesnar embracing his angry side once again and figuratively murdering a fleet of security guards once again (laughs) it's just Brock Lesnar showing off his versatility man showing why he is legit one of the best we've ever seen to do it and I don't know you know people talk about how great Brock is but I mean this guy is just the little nuances in his character um, you know saying you know it's blood for blood I don't care about this title yeah, and, and because he knows who he knows he's Brock Lesnar and he knows nobody's going to say a word to him and he can do whatever the hell he wants so him chucking that title that just shows that this is more than that now he wants the title but he, he wants to hurt Roman I, I love what they're doing with Brock Brock Lesnar as a babyface. Um, I, I fully expect him to not only lay Roman out, but I think he's going to give him the Randy Orton treatment from SummerSlam, and he's going to give him a nice bow across the head and just gush that guy wide open as we go off the air. And you're going to have to watch it on like the you know you have to watch it on WWE Twitter or something to find out what happens next. Something ridiculous like that, so they can get some YouTube, maybe on YouTube, WWE YouTube. Uh, but I, that's what that's what I'm expecting. I'm with you guys. I think Brock Lesnar needed something, needed a little bit more edge. Um, you, you bring up, uh, Joey, I think it was you that just brought up the point about Brock Lesnar has always been the alpha male in his feuds. It's always about who can overcome Brock Lesnar. This is very interesting to see how does Brock Lesnar overcome Roman Reigns? What does Brock Lesnar have to do to overcome Roman Reigns? I, yeah, I never would imagine Brock Lesnar being a sympathetic figure because it's like, how does he, what can he do against Roman Reigns? So I, I really like what they're doing with the characterations of this. And when Roman is standing tall at the end of WrestleMania, holding both belts, it's going to mean something. And I don't think the fans are going to turn on this match. I think the fans are really behind this match. And I give a lot of that credit. And I said this at the beginning of this feud, if Brock Lesnar wasn't as great of a babyface as he is, this doesn't work. And they would have already turned on this feud. And we'd have a triple threat. Seth Rollins would be in this triple threat match. But because of how great Brock Lesnar has been, the fans are going to be behind. I, I think the fans are really going to be behind this match. And I, I genuinely think we're going to get a really good main event. I agree. Probably their best match yeah. to date. And... 
Like I keep saying, despite this repetitive nature of the match coming back again and again at a WrestleMania, this is the best version of Brock and the absolute best version of Roman Reigns. And for this entire feud up until now, Brock was always the guy that had Roman's number. Now Roman is the guy that Brock has got to figure out. Yep. Roman is God mode right now. You can't touch me. You I'm can't touch God me. God mode. Love, mode. It. Love it. Love it. <laughs> to the point that Paul Heyman left for you, Brock, for Roman. He loves this guy. He loves him. He professes love every moment he gets when you lose your guy that tells a completely different story as well and i love it so the fans have bought tickets from atlanta even though they didn't get the match due to covid they're buying tickets to wrestlemania to see this match for night two and it's going to be a show stopper it is going to be is it going to be the biggest wrestlemania main event of all time i do not know but i do project this to be their best match against each other to date you know, speaking of uh, of ticket sales, imagine paying for a ticket. You go into SmackDown and Roman's not there. Oh, my God. Like Poor Birmingham. And they had a lot of people Man. there. I'm not mad as Man, well. like that should at least be marketed because yeah. he's he's a big sell and people go to see him mo- in most cases. Did he have a but dark match or last... I, do I don't not know. Because you're right. I'm, I'm with sure you he was that. there. I'm with you on that. Man. I'm sure he was there, but he wasn't on the show. Yeah, no doubt. And it's very rare that that happens. The last time I think that he was, uh, quote unquote, uh, had a paid vacation after his match or something with Brock. But um, what's really cool about this feud, this is the last point I'll make on it. What's really cool about this feud is that there's little details um, that are being that are being manipulated here and there. And uh, it's due to Paul Heyman. It's due to, you know, to Roman. It's due to Brock. When I was at Madison Square Garden last Saturday, uh, a week ago, and the ending of the show was Roman Reigns beating the holy hell out of uh, Brock Lesnar and holding both titles. Um, He performed a rock bottom on Brock Lesnar onto the steel steps. That's where where Brock was laid out on the steps. Um, If you look at Roman's character over the last few months, the tracksuits, the way he speaks, um, there is something being developed here slowly but surely. I think that's until they can get things uh, organized on the back end. But I think we're going to be looking at the end of WrestleMania. Obviously, Roman Reigns holding both belts over Brock Lesnar, but then the most electrifying man in all of entertainment will somehow, maybe maybe that's how we end WrestleMania, face-to-face, Roman versus Dwayne The Rock Johnson, leading, uh, you know, projecting a year ahead into next year's WrestleMania, hopefully in Hollywood. That crowd will be in a puddle when it's all said and done. You get Stone Cold and The Rock at a WrestleMania? <laughs> this, what? This Rock feud, this Brock feud is setting Roman up for rock I sense, I sense it too i just hope he clears his calendar for next year if he actually walks yeah. out at the end and confronts him because either that or cody for me is a guy that can take a belt from roman reigns perfectly yeah. the wwe title but it's got to be that he cannot duplicate two years in a row of standing tall with pyro going off it's got to be a confrontation and if it's the rock holy shit yeah. that would be and i think everyone's expecting the show. everyone's expecting another roman you know roman's standing tall with the bloodline at the end of the show and the rock comes out you know wrestlemania they wwe really needs especially this year they need a huge win for wwe and if you have a show with stone cold steve austin uh 
with Cody Rhodes and then The Rock. Ronda Rousey. Let's not sleep on her either. Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey as, as well. And, you know, obviously you have Logan Paul and Johnny Knoxville and all the other stuff they got going on. But, uh, I mean, it will really just bring the meaning back to WrestleMania. That is WrestleMania. For sure. I would love to see it. And we have three weeks to go to see if that would be the finish, according to Joey. And if it happens, I'll bring him back on the show and I might tip him something if that happens <laughs> in the event in which he says it if, could possibly go down. If you look at the little details, I mean, he's wearing the track suits like The Rock used to wear. He's now doing The Rock bottom to Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's he's doing things that are really looking like it's going to get The Rock's attention. Oh, for sure. And I cannot wait between now and WrestleMania in three weeks time as we move on to that thing that happened on SmackDown. And I want to paint the picture like I'm Sophia from the Golden Girls. Picture it. It's 2022. And Seamus and Rich Holland are backstage and they're talking up this fighter, this fella they've known for a very long time. And I'm sitting there in real time and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, Cesaro re-signed with WWE and he's joining (laughs) Seamus. The bar is reunited. It feels so good. And then he talks about this person we knew by another name, but we've been knowing him as Butch. And I'm like, who the hell is Butch? And then they slide the camera (laughs) over. And it's Pete fucking Dunn, mm. now known as Butch. And with a, a stupid P- hat. With a stupid hat, stupid suspenders, stupid, stupid, stupid to quote Randy Orton. Just stupid. And a part of me broke at that very moment because Pete Dunn was on NXT last Tuesday as Pete Dunn facing Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship. And now Butch is on SmackDown looking a whole (laughs) lot like Pete Dunn. And I do a Wikipedia search to see is Pete Dunn actually Pete's, Pete's Dunn's government name? And no, his real name is Peter England. So why are we changing Pete Dunn's name to Butch? And I can understand the reasoning because if he does not want to give his name away to WWE and the event shit goes left and you want to go back to the indie scene, go back to another place such as AEW, Ring of Honor, Impact, whenever that day may come, I get it. But Butch, of all goddamn names, to gaslight me, to gaslight the fans, to neuralize me like Will Smith and Men in Black. How dare you gaslight me to make me pretend that for the last five years, Pete Dunne did not exist in my timeline. Dear God Almighty, help me out, Joey, with this butch nonsense. I I, I wish I can help you here, (laughs) but it's just one of those things that it's like... I scratch my head, but then again, I'm like, it's WWE. And, you know, if you take a guy like Ridge Holland and you bring him up and you change his name, fine. I'm okay with it. But but Pete Dunne is an established champion. He's been the, he was the face of NXT UK at, at the beginning and throughout, you know, sometime there. He was involved with so many great things in NXT, being in multiple championship matches, being in a championship match just last week, um, being involved in huge matches at TakeOver, being involved in War Games matches. I mean, Pete Dunne, everybody knows who Pete Dunne is. His work, his name, and that, this is this goes back to what I said earlier in the show where I said that you know this would come up. It's the presentation, the name, 
the theme music, the look, the the, the charisma, the the skill set, all of that together is a presentation. And WWE, I don't know who is making these decisions. I'm never for someone losing their job, but in this case, someone or or, or a group of people need to be fired because they are changing entrance themes music uh, or entrance themes where when in a Royal Rumble match, no one knows who's coming out because there's new entrance themes. You know, uh, they and I and I get it. They don't have the rights to certain music, whatever. Um, but now changing Pete Dunn. Why not just if you want to change his name, call him Pete, call him Petey, call him Dunn. But Butch, who? Where? Where does that come from? That's not even. Where does that come? If you from? want to make that his, <laughs> if, if you want to make that his nickname, like if you want to call him Pete the Butch. Pete Dunn or something like that. That still seems badass. But Butch, and you put him in a stupid hat where his hair is tied up. It looks like I don't even know what's going on up there. And he's suspenders and this little outfit that he looks like just he just picked up at Walmart. I mean, that is not the champion. That is not Pete Dunn that we all know. And it kind of just it's it's laughable, but then when you really think about it, you're like, oh, this is real. And uh, Pete Dunne recently signed a new contract with WWE. And if that was me, I would pull on Mustafa Ali and stay the hell home. And that was a word, y'all. And I don't disagree (laughs) with any of that because it's all true. And listen, I'm happy that Pete Dunne got the call up. I hope that Pete Dunne wrestles like Pete Dunne and less like Butch. But my Lord, of all the things to do on this night here, Butch. I'm going to get over it, but let me tell you all for the record, Butch versus Gunther Mm. for the NXT UK Championship never fucking happened at TakeOver New York. It was Pete Dunne and Walter, damn it. So, Scott, have you recovered from Pete Dunne forever being known (laughs) as Butch? You know, we talked about it before we we started recording. You know, I was pissed off and very upset about it when I first heard it. And then I remembered a time back in the day when there was a wrestler named Chavo Guerrero. And uh, WWE thought that if they dyed his hair blonde and, and made him a golfer that people would completely forget who he was. And this brings me back to the days of, of Kerwin White. And, and, and Kerwin. Kerwin White and, and, the NXT, and the current NXT champion as his caddy, Dolph Ziggler. Um, the, the good times uh, back in the day when you could just bleach somebody's hair and give them a different name and nobody would care. But it don't work like that now because when you name somebody Butch, who's been on your television program as Pete Dunne, and multiple times has been on SmackDown, has been on Raw as a bruiserweight, has main evented Raw when Enzo Amore was the cruiserweight champion and they needed somebody to come beat him up. They called the bruiserweight Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne had or arguably the match of the night at Survivor Series. You don't think like and now I will say I will say Butch wears his hair in a bun and he has the same outfit as a uh, madcap, except he wears pants instead of shorts. But Pete Dunne wears his hair down. So there's there are huge differences. It's like Clark Kent and Superman. You know, you would never recognize them if you put them side by side, right? Because their hair is different, and they got their they take their glasses off. It's absolutely ridiculous what they're doing with Butch. Um, I, I, you know, the name thing that they're doing is 
we joked about LA Knight, but there's a real possibility. They're like, hey, we got to change his name again before he comes to the main roster because it's Doug. Doug. I mean, (laughs) Doug is a a real possibility. We talk about hoping Braun Breaker becomes a Steiner. We better hope he doesn't become Braun Funny. You know what I mean? Like, so we need to be careful what we're asking for here. Uh, I just, it's it's laughable at this point what they're doing with the names. And I, you know, it, it is what it is. I hope you got the bag. Me too. It better be a lofty bag to justify this name change. And Pete Dunne, knowing his personality based on the years we've seen him on NXT, I don't know if he was shoot mad or like character mad about being butch. Yeah. So he, he sold it, it one way or the other. It just makes the uh, the 2K22 roster, now it's just like 10 guys that are the same now. 10 characters in that game that we can actually play as who they are today. I got to go change Pete Dunn to Butch. I got to go <laughs> I gotta go edit Pete Dunn and make him Butch now. Yeah, it, it's just... Like, they could, they could rename Walter Gunther in the game for me, though. Like, you knew you were going to change that dude's name. Like, you couldn't just do that in the game. Like, how hard is it to change that man's name right now on an update? I can't get an update. No, they're going to make you pay. They'll make you pay $40 or thirty nine ninety nine for a DLC of a, of a third version of, of Gunta. It'll be called the name change pack. Yeah. <laughs> yes. you'll, you'll have, you'll have a uh, uh, LA, LA three or LA 316 Gunther and Butch. Hey, and maybe even current white will be you there. You joking? But that LA 316 got a real nice ring to it, though. For real, like <laughs> yes. that, there's something there with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In happier, more lovely news, Pete Dunn. We're gonna miss you, my dear. But in happier news, and speaking of Pete Dunn now being known as Butch. His former boss man, Pat McAfee, was tired of Austin Theory's bullshit this past Friday night, and he was on site on Austin Theory's ass. He jumped over the announce table and proceeded to whoop Austin Theory's ass. I loved it. Pat McAfee has a great mean mugging face when he's pissed off, and he laid in those elbow shots and punches to Austin Theory, and Michael Cole was the MVP saying, hey man, don't let this bump get to you, man. Hey man, calm down. Pat, you a professional, man. Calm down. Sit down, man. You you know what you gotta do. Calm down. Be the better man here. I love Michael Cole being the voice of reason, but Pat McAfee said, fuck reason. I'm beating this dude's ass. He tried me two weeks in a row and I will stand by this until Wrestlemania. Pat McAfee and Austin Theory will have a show stealing match at Wrestlemania. I truly believe it and I perfectly want to see Vince McMahon direct the match and not be at ringside but knowing WWE he'll find a way to be a part of the match some way somehow. So Scott what are your thoughts on Pat McAfee whooping that ass this past Friday on Smackdown? Let me tell you something Pat McAfee trying to uh, come at Brock Lesnar for the top babyface spot in WWE. I mean that guy was <laughs> fantastic he showed great babyface fire and let me tell you whenever they let that man cut a promo on austin theory <laughs> he is going Over. to eat that boy alive i'm t- i cannot wait for them to give him a live mic he's got to show up on raw one night right he's got to just show up with the mic in the middle of austin theory's match cut a promo on him and then just go down and beat the holy hell out of him i i i, I love what the, i love this this is gr- this this is another pretty well built match 
And I'm with you, Keela. I think this is going to be one of the better matches on the card. We've already seen what Pat McAfee will do. We know he'll put his body on the line. And we know that he knows what he's doing. And when he's in there with somebody talented, he can make magic. Him and Adam Cole had a great match. If that match would have had fans, I think it would have been even elevated to a higher level. This match right here, the fans are going to be behind Pat. I think... You know, all that stuff we talked about with Austin Theory, the Madison Square Garden thing, where people are like, Austin Theory, really? All of that is really going to come back and I think help this match as far as people can be like, yo, I can't wait to watch Austin Theory get punched in the face. I can't wait to watch Pat McAfee slap this dude in the face. Like, you know what? They've done a pretty good job of making people want to see Austin Theory get whooped. And Pat McAfee's the guy to do it. He's going to be able to cut that babyface promo, that fiery promo where he gets the crowd ready to see it. So I'm really excited about this. And yeah, Keela, I'm with you. I think this is going to be one of the better matches on either night. Definitely. And when Pat McAfee grabs that mic to cut that promo, mm, mm, an awesome mm, mm. theory, he's going to send him to the same place that Adam Coulson carrying cross last year yep. when he <laughs> ethered his ass on NXT to almost the unemployment line, but not quite. But that's how deep Cole went with that man. And Pat McAfee. I'm going to pray for Austin because it's going to be the promo of a lifetime and that man has no answer. So, Joey, are you anticipating the day that Pat McAfee blows this man to bits on the mic? Oh, man, I'm I'm this is one of the matches I'm looking forward to most at WrestleMania. And I never thought I would say that. But if you look back to when Pat McAfee was in NXT, his whole story with Feuding with with Adam Cole and then making his little faction with with uh, Bridge Holland and I'm gonna say his name Pete Dunn, <laughs> um, Only Lorcan, Danny Birch. I mean, I was watching NXT at that time because of that, because of Pat McAfee, because he was. You never knew what was gonna come out of his mouth. You never knew what he was gonna do, and he just had such great matches for a guy that's not a wrestler. And he, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he put out a promo on his Twitter a few days ago. I think it was yesterday, the day before, maybe. He put out like a six-minute video of him standing on the apron of a wrestling ring. And he cut a promo about how he's been a wrestling fan his entire life. He wanted to be a pro wrestler when he was a child. There's He shows videos of him wrestling on a trampoline as a kid, him wrestling at 20, him going his whole life just never being able something always coming up for him to from to stop him from living that dream and now he's getting that opportunity and uh i think that it just shows more of a side to pat McAfee that he is in this thing for the long haul and uh the training is real and all the stuff that he's doing is real and i'm excited for it but what's really interesting about this story is that if you look back to who pat McAfee is in real life and what he does the per the, the persona he puts on it's Austin Theory. He's always taking selfies. He's a loud mouth. He's always pissing people off. People want to punch him in the mouth. And now he's getting it handed right back to him. And you're seeing a different side of Pat McAfee. And I think this match is going to be one of the best matches of the whole the whole weekend. That's a good call. Yeah, I love that callback. And the irony is that Pat McAfee is the more likable of the two, the guy that the fans love and they're rocking with. And that is going to be a really sneaky good match at WrestleMania if they get yeah. the time. And Pat has a great respect for professional wrestling. has been on display for a very long time now. And I expect him to have a performance of a lifetime in three weeks for WrestleMania night two. Here's hoping Duke gets back behind that table before the main event to usher in God, Roman Reigns, dressed in time 
time for the main event. And speaking of the main event, we are going to talk about the main event of night one, presumably Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And I've been a little lukewarm towards this feud. I still am a bit. And we had a parking lot brawl to end SmackDown. And thank the Lord, Charlotte Flair changed her outfit. Because girlfriend, when you came out there with Ronda Rousey during that second hour, that dress was hanging on for dear life. And the Fox censors were like, don't move a muscle. Don't move. <laughs> don't bend too far. Because I thought it would have a wardrobe malfunction. Thankfully, that did not happen. And more thankfully, she wore a, a leather jumpsuit and she whooped up on Ronda Rousey. It was a nice fight, a callback to what they did three years ago almost on Monday Night Raw during their go-home angle when Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair got arrested. And that angle still makes me laugh to this day. One of the best fight sequences in WWE history. This wasn't as good, but it did bring a level of intensity that has been needed for this rivalry heading into WrestleMania. And I got to call this out for Ronda Rousey. I'm glad that she's smiling. I'm glad that she's a baby face but her promos are so dry and mundane and monotone and basic i need some life and there's hoping we get some life after she gets her ass beat in the parking lot by charlotte flair stretches her out on a car suplex her on set car beats her ass is a nice visual but i need that fire on the mic from ronda rousey she showed that sparingly during her first run in wwe but it's been missing as of late and that's really bringing down the tempo for this feud that could be a whole lot more than what it is heading into wrestlemania scott yeah i didn't really like the segment at all to be honest with you i it felt like it felt like the the segment you're talking about that iconic segment light like this I, it didn't do a lot i mean the only the suplex spot was cool but outside of that i this did nothing for me like and uh, when did seth green become a backstage guy and you know when did he start working backstage for them and he's trying to break up fights and you got and charlotte and ron they're just beating everybody like i don't know it just this did not work for me and Man, we, I talked, you know, this is the match, when we think about it, this is the match that they originally wanted at WrestleMania before Becky Lynch became the man. If you think, you know, this is what they wanted. So, I, I don't know, man. This, this segment did nothing for me. I didn't like it. You know, I don't know if there's a lot they can do to add to the hype because I'm, I'm pretty excited for the match because I, I remember their Survivor Series match and I think the match will be good. I think it'll be solid. But I can tell you this much, they keep doing stuff like this and it's going to make me not really care when we get to the match. This, I don't know, and maybe I'm in the minority on this, but this segment just did nothing for me. I would have much rather Ricochet and Sami Zayn close the show out, you know, instead of cutting back to this and that being what we left with. Let the IC title have its moment, you know, Let, let that breathe a little bit instead of saying, well, that's not as important as watching them, you know, hug and dance on the car. So it, I don't know, this, this segment didn't do it for me. Yeah, I was kind of lukewarm towards it as well. I know what they're trying to do, duplicate some magic from three years ago, but it's not there. And the material of who's going to tap out who is very thin right now. I'm just not feeling ahead again to WrestleMania. And dare I say at this point, the main event should probably be Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, two women that have main evented and won their matches at WrestleMania, which is a bigger lure than this match, even though Ronda Rousey is the 2022 Women's Warrior Rumble winner. So, Joey, what are your thoughts on this closing angle from SmackDown involving Charlotte Flair? and Ronda Rousey. 
I do got to make uh, a give. I got to give you credit, Scott, for saying uh, that. Um... Oop, can you hear me? Guys? Yeah, we hear. Yeah, yeah, you good? Let's see what happened here. Oh, oh good. Okay. Yes. So I got to give uh, uh, Scott credit there for acknowledging the the Intercontinental Championship because that is a uh, that that definitely should have closed the show. But what I would have preferred uh, to see, and I always like to give like a logical standpoint. What if earlier in the show we got the backstage segment with Ronda and and Charlotte, where Ronda uh, is showing up to the uh, to the arena and Charlotte takes her out in the parking lot, chokes her out, and does that scene. Then later on in the show, or to close the show, Charlotte comes out and says, "Ladies and gentlemen, I just choked out Ronda Rousey. I made her tap out." And then Ronda comes running to the ring, and she's pissed off. And now you're excited to see what happens next week. Um, I would prefer that, just twisting what they did. Um, but I got to make a point here with Charlotte. Um, Charlotte kind of seems like she's ripping off big-time Bex with this whole glitz and glam thing she's got going on recently. I mean, I know she is the queen, but that's kind of uh, it's kind of Becky Lynch's thing. But... Either way, I think this is going to be a great match at WrestleMania. Um, but I definitely would have loved to see this seg- the segment switched around where the parking lot scene happens first, and then we go to an in-ring scene, and it hypes everybody up. Makes way more sense in what they, than what they did, because the Intercontinental Championship match definitely could have closed the show. Then I thought to myself is at the end of SmackDown because Roman Reigns was not there on Friday and those fans in Birmingham bought a ticket to see him and he was not there. And I do not know if he was there for a dark match. If he wasn't, those fans got ripped off and WWE should have said, hey, by the way, Roman's not going to be here. Our apologies. But damn, that was just rough. And now it is time for my favorite part of the show, that guilty pleasure and the thing that we should avoid at all costs from WWE this week. So, Joey, you've watched all things WWE this week. What's that one thing that you loved that you shouldn't love and that one thing that you hated with every fiber of your being? Okay, so I got to say the one thing that I did love was the call out, obviously, to Stone Cold Steve Austin from Kevin Owens on Monday Night Raw. That was... It was great. It was it was well placed. That definitely should have been the part that ended the show. That was the best thing that happened. Um, the thing that I loved, that I um, I'm not happy about that I loved. Um, let's see. Uh, it's definitely got to be uh, the closing to the uh, to the the semifinals for the uh, women's Dusty Cup. I really wasn't in like interested in the whole thing. Um, but I love the outcome, you know, having, seeing this new team of, of Wendy Chu and, and, uh, Dakota Kai really come about and really, you know, gain some traction. That was that one thing. And obviously I know the one thing that we all are going to hate, um, would be our boy Butch getting butchered, but, uh, or Pete Dunn getting butchered. But honestly, the one thing I hated was, uh, seeing Biggie get injured because that was just not anything anybody ever wants to see no not at all and that was a bummer of a way to end our fridays with that injury to biggie as we continue to wish him the very best in his recovery so scott you know the deal was that one thing you love from wwe this week and that one thing that you hated 
Keila, I, uh, before I um, before I start, I just want to. This is completely dedicated to you. For my one thing, I you can skip mm-hmm. this week. This is uh, this is all you. I, I, I was gonna pick it, but I, I feel like you might pick it. So I don't want to take your thunder if you are gonna pick it because I I definitely want to hear what you got to say about it this week. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up, and if you don't, I'll come back to it because the Miz is definitely on the chopping block this week. But um, as far as what else that you could skip um you know honestly i man i it feels like i'm picking on these days but man you can skip naomi and sasha banks again <laughs> now they're trying to come out as, as the boss team so last week they wanted to glow <laughs> it up and this week they want to they want it to be boss time so they don't have a clue what they're doing either this is such a waste of sasha banks and honestly after the momentum that naomi had built up this is kind of a waste for her too to be honest with you so you can skip all of that, skip them until they figure out what they're doing. Um, as far as what I, my guilty pleasure, I, I kind of have two things. Cause one thing I, I liked, and it's not a guilty pleasure cause I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I think people should go out of their way to watch it. And that's the NXT UK heritage cup match between Noam Dar and Joe Coffey. Fantastic match utilization of the rules and the the rounds six three minute rounds just a really good match completely different even without fans it works in this setting because of the different rules and the rounds it, the no fans adds to it because you're hearing the struggle as they try to work between different holds and hit different moves so I would really go out of your way to watch that in any type of Heritage Cup match man watch those they're a lot of fun. I can't believe I'm saying this. My guilty pleasure is Andre Chase. I thoroughly enjoyed that Andre Chase <laughs> segment. Um, I, I love that. He went crazy. Yeah, I love that they let him just drop f bombs on there, and he, like I love that they just let him go crazy on these people. His 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 buddy over there, his eye is, is destroyed. I don't know what they're doing with him. He won't ever look in that eye again. But yeah, I I, I really got a kick out of the Andre Chase segment. That was pretty funny. And Scott, I might spare you this week based on my worst thing from WWE. I'm shocked. You might be spared for a week. But the good thing about WWE is the ongoing Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn feud that played out on TMZ when Johnny Knoxville posted a phone number of Sami Zayn and flew it halfway across L.A. And according to Michael Cole, 11,000 calls have come in for Sami Zayn. And Sami is playing. <laughs> it up by being traumatized hair all a muck on his head as he wonders to himself please stop calling me leave me the fuck alone i know that's not his real number most likely but he is selling it to the hilt and i love this and this could be another sneaky good match at wrestlemania between noted strong style wrestler johnny knoxville and Sami Zayn. so i love that this past friday on smackdown as a wrestlemania rivalry hits heats up as for the thing you should have ordered at all costs, Scott, it actually is not The Miz this week. I'm shocked because that was an awful segment. It was awful, but not as bad as lashing out with Lash oh, Legend. God. <laughs> that involving oh, Lash Legend and Nikita Lyons. Ugh. And to quote the late great Aretha Franklin, beautiful gowns, beautiful, beautiful gowns, beautiful ladies, 
Amazonian goddesses, shit material that sucked. The acting was horrible. And now we have a match to look forward to. And all I can say is God help us all. I'm not worried about Nikita Lyons. I'm going to pray for Lash Legend. They might surprise me. But dear God in heaven, this segment absolutely positively sucked. And Jerry Springer wants his segment back from 1998. I do want to see uh, Nikita kick her face off. So I I am looking forward to that. Yes, that would be the outcome that would please me the most. But Lash has a good boot, too. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how it goes on 2.0. And with that, this is a wrap for the wrap. And I want to thank Joey, especially for joining us this week as he dived into all things WWE. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. I had such a great time. And uh, any chance I get to talk about WWE and wrestling, I mean, you can't pass that opportunity. And especially to talk with, uh, you know, two smart and and well-spoken people like yourselves. It was just an honor and a a blast. Glad to have you on the show. And thank you for the kind words. And Scott, you know, per the usual, you know that I enjoy you every single week and you got spared from my Ms. Hate. So you're welcome. Well, I do appreciate that because I was fully i was watching that segment going oh boy keela is going to have a field day this week but uh yeah i i got spared uh joey thank you for coming on man it's it's always you know i talked about this off the air too when we were just chopping it up it's great to have you know just an outside perspective from outside the fight game media uh family so uh you brought a great voice to this it was a great perspective and um you know i look forward to the next time we chop it up and uh yeah, everybody go follow his podcast check it out and keela as always, it's always a blast chopping it up. And uh, I look forward to the next conversation we have. Absolutely. So before we go, Joey, plug your podcast, plug your Twitter handle so that people can know where to find you. Of course. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't been listening for the last uh, hour or two hours, uh, I'm Joey Carney, the host of the Angle Podcast. Um, it's basically a podcast where I talk all things pro wrestling. You can follow me uh, across the board. It's at the Angle Radio um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and now TikTok. I'm just about to hit 10K on TikTok, so you can follow me there. I post all updates and uh, clips from interviews. I just had on this week uh, legendary trainer Dr. Tom Pritchard. Um, next week, I have a cool chat with uh, ECW legend Rhino. Uh, before that, I had on Mickey James, JBL, uh, Deanna Perrazzo, just the last couple of weeks. A whole big bunch of names that I get to talk to and, and really dive deep into their career. So if you want to check that out, go subscribe uh, on YouTube at The Angle Podcast there and all social media handles at The Angle Radio. All right, fantastic. So please check that out. A great guy that you can follow on Twitter and it's a toxic free space, y'all. And that's rarity <laughs> in this day and age. So please check them out and please join us next week for a brand new episode of The Wrap as we are now three weeks away from WrestleMania. For Joey, for Scott, and for myself, that's a wrap.